Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Transformational Truths. Today, we're going to talk about marriage, and the transformational truth is emotional intimacy can be restored when emotional trust has been rebuilt. My wife of 21 years, Tina, and myself sat down recently and had an incredibly transparent and vulnerable conversation with our Life Church family. That's the church Pastor Tina and I have the privilege of pastoring. And we talked all things marriage. Specifically, we shared our journey and our pain and the challenges we faced over the last 21 years of marriage. Our own experiences of losing emotional trust and rebuilding it. This was an incredibly raw an incredibly transparent conversation. And here's our prayer that our journey in our conversation is going to empower you, encourage you, and equip you with the practical truths that you need to build a marriage that will last. Listen, I don't want to take up any more time. I want to jump right into this conversation. So let's get started. We're excited this morning. Pastor Tina, I've been excited about this series. Marriage is something we feel called in our ministry to speak to. So listen, if you hear this morning like, oh, Pastor, I'm not married. Uh, if you're getting ready to get married, pay attention. Can I get an amen? It's okay. You don't have to be married to be blessed by this series. In fact, this is a great time for you to begin to prepare yourself to be the husband or be the wife that God has created and called you to be. Uh, if you are married, you're going to be blessed by this. It's going to be uh, some of you very practical. And um, if you're trying to uh, bring healing to your marriage, this is going to be a great series. Wherever you are in your marriage, we really believe this is going to be something that blesses you in your, your marriage. And I'm so blessed that I, today I get to minister with my beautiful, hot, smoking Mexican wife right over here. And, uh, and uh, uh, we have uh, 21 years of marriage. And uh, yeah, thank you. We're, we feel very blessed. We feel very blessed. We feel like we have an abundant marriage. And um, we definitely have abundant children. And uh, amen, amen. We've got five with five with one on the way. And um, yes, we're done. You don't have to ask that anymore. Uh, but uh, super thankful and excited about this series. And I do want to once again say thank you to all of our online family who's watching from home all of our TikTok family. You know, God told me at the beginning of this year, he said, I want you to go on TikTok and just speak about marriage. And so I did, I started to, and there was nobody there to hear it. And today there's 82,000 followers on TikTok. And so, amen, yeah, so it's really turned into a, a, a great opportunity to help people build their marriage and get healthier in their marriage. So if we're not connected over there, we would love to connect with you there uh, at uh, Pastor Travis Hall. And um, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about marriage. And so if you're joining us this week, both in the house and watching online, I want to encourage you to join us. And next week, we're going to be talking next week about emotional intimacy versus sexual intimacy. So should be a full house. Amen. Um, yeah. Three Sundays are really full every year. Christmas, Easter, and the day Pastor talks about sex. Hallelujah. And then no, it's gonna be a <laughs> it's gonna be a good Sunday. Um, you know, I was recently talked today. We're gonna talk about communication, and 
uh, how important that is in the relationship. I was recently talking to somebody about this issue of communication in marriage, and uh, he said that he and his wife had been stuck in this argument cycle for a while. They just kept arguing and arguing over something, and I'm like, oh, man. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I told my wife that I wanted to take her somewhere special for her for our anniversary. And he said, man, she looked at me with this just sweet, endearing look on her face. You know, guys, you know that look. You know, when your wife gives you that look, you know. He said, I felt so proud. She looked at me that way. I felt like, oh, man, you know, I'm really, I'm the man. I said, well, it sounds good so far. I said, what happened? Well, she said, well, listen, I've got an idea. She said, I want you to take me to a place uh, that I haven't been in a long time. I said, okay. I said, what'd you say? He said, okay, well, then how about the kitchen? And that's when the argument started. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, a little humor to get you started. Leave the way it is. Like, he did not say that. <laughs> Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, uh, this morning, Pastor Tina and I, I'm going to warn you. I, I mean, I have some notes in front of me, but this is unscripted. We have not rehearsed. We have not gone through this. Now, and I did that on purpose. I wanted this to be raw and real. And so Pastor Tina and I are going to share a little bit about our own journey and learning how to communicate to each other because we didn't always get it right. You know, we, we hear, once in a while we hear this, we hear this from some of our, our, our Life Church family. Man, we want a marriage like you guys. We watch you guys. We want a marriage like you guys. And it's always an honor to hear that. But you just see where we are after 21 years. You don't know what it took to get here. And because nobody talks about it, when you go through it, you think there's something wrong with you. Because no one else is being honest about their struggles. Because everyone shows up Sunday with a smile, holding each other's hand, don't know the hell you went through in the car on the way to church. Like you just about separated on the way to church because you didn't leave on time. I told you what time we're leaving. Church starts at 10. I don't want to be late every week. <laughs> and so we just want to have some real talk today, but I want you to look at, open your Bibles, do a little bit different today. You just keep your seat. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through 10. We'll give you a second to find it. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through seven. You always hear these verses read at a wedding. Every wedding. This is the verse you ask your aunt to read. You know, like you're trying to give someone something to do in the wedding, like, ah, oh, could you read 1 Corinthians 13? Now, now, here's the truth. Paul did not write this in the context of marriage, but it certainly does apply. So I want to read it to you because we'll come back to it later. If you have it, say amen. Here, the apostle Paul is describing the ideal love, and he says, love is patient. Can I get an amen? Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps, oh, that's a big one, no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but look at it, it rejoices with the truth. It always protects Love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. What a beautiful truth. And it is so much easier to read it 
Oh, come on, somebody. Than it is to live it out in our marriages. And so Pastor Tina and I just want to talk today about, about the importance of learning how to communicate. So here's the deal. Everybody argues in their marriage, right? Well, they have arguments. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll meet somebody like, no, not me. We've never argued. Man, praise God for you. I'm thankful for you. God bless you. I, really, I thank God for you. But that's the exception. That's not the rule. In fact, if that's you, after service, come pray for us. Amen. That's, everybody has arguments from time to time in your marriage. And I think in a culture where, in fact, we talked about, we, we, spent, we hung out with the young adults on Friday night, and I said something there that's probably important to share here. When, when you and I were growing up, it wasn't okay to have feelings. Right. 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 It was, and it was almost demonized. I can hear popular televangelists of my day growing up talking about feelings like they were demonic almost. Like your feelings are the devil, and so you can't feel because you can't trust your feelings. And I get what they're trying to say. Like I say it all the time, feelings are real, real, they're not always right. But what we did is we suppressed our emotions. So now what we always do, what culture always does, the pendulum like swings. So now we're living in a culture where we've discovered the importance of emotional health. That's a good thing, church. Like, it wasn't healthy to bury all of that. The problem is now, it, you know, it's always extreme. Now it's so extreme that feelings are more important than truth. And so we've got people quitting on marriage because they don't feel love. But love is more than a feeling. Love is a decision. And there'll be times you'll fall in love and get married and you'll feel that. And it's, it's a beautiful euphoric feeling. But can I tell people who are just starting out or people who are in it for a while, that feeling doesn't always stick around. Love is the decision to do what Jesus, do you remember what Jesus did the night before he went to the cross? He said, Lord, is there another way? Can I tell you, Jesus did not feel like going to the cross. Do you know what took him to the cross? Love. Love. It is a decision. And I think, I think that's interesting, honey, because the Bible calls husbands to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. Which means, first and foremost, guys, you're not making decisions based upon emotion. You're making decisions based upon a fact. I choose to love my wife or I choose to love my husband even in the hard times. Because hard, hard times come. But, but let me say this. If you find yourself arguing with your spouse, don't let the devil get in there and tell you, see, you're not compatible anymore. Because you're, you're always arguing, you're not compatible anymore, and you might as well just go ahead and get divorced and call it quits because you argue and you're not compatible. You can just be happier with somebody else. Listen to me. You can take yourself somewhere else and start over, but you're going to take you with you. <laughs> and the work has to be done anyway, so why not stay committed and put the work in where you are? going to be hard to stay seated. Amen. And I just want to add to that too, is that God wants to use the person that you're married to. God wants to use your spouse to help bring healing to your life. That's right. Don't quit on that. God wants to use you to, with patience, with love, making that choice to stay committed, working through those issues to bring healing to one another. Right, right. And there's, there's typically two reasons why we argue, and I'm going to share a bit, and then we'll get into our story a little bit. There's two reasons why we argue typically. Number one is we are not intentional about healthy 
transparent communication. The people that argue the most communicate the least. The second reason we argue is fear. There's only two reasons we typically argue. Number one, we're not intentional about talking. Here's what I mean by healthy, transparent communication. I can share with my wife everything that's in my heart, good, bad, and ugly. My insecurities, my fears, my hopes, my dreams. Watch this, without fear of her rejecting what I shared. She can do the same with me. That's healthy communication. The other thing is fear. Sometimes we're afraid to talk to each other because we're afraid if I let them in. It's amazing to me how in marriages you will let people, you will make love to each other. You can see each other naked physically, but you won't let each other see each other naked emotionally. Because we're afraid that if they see my wounds or my brokenness in my soul, they'll say I'm not enough for them and reject me. And so that's a good place to, to get started. So Pastor Tina and I got married. Um, uh, we've been married 21 years. Um, I married her right out of high school. She was 18. In fact, she graduated early. She, she was such a good student. <laughs> Opposites attract. She was, such a, <laughs> she was such a good student. She was that she actually finished up in December and she walked, you know, the, 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 the ceremony, she walked in May but between the time of, of stopping school in December and May, her name changed from Garcia to Hull. And I watched her walk. Yep. Rob me some cradle right here. Yep. Yep. And... And um, when we got married, she, she at the age of 18, she stepped into a blended family. 18. I had been divorced and had a son. And she, at the age of 18, stepped into this, this blended family. And a lot of you would not know. You would never know. Was that prophetic? You brought tissues like you know it's going to be that kind of day, huh? <laughs> You would, you would never know because she took, you know, she, she loves Travis, my oldest son, like her own. You know, always, been, always has been like that. But when we got married, I brought baggage and she brought baggage. You ever see the picture of the, um, the iceberg? You know, they show you the tip of the iceberg and you like that. And then beneath it, there's this giant, enormous, you know, structure. Okay. Generally, in marriage, that's what it's like. You see just enough of each other's dysfunction to say, oh, that's cute, but I can help fix that. <laughs> I can fix her, I can fix him. We can, we can deal with that. And then you get married, and then you start running into each other's iceberg. And you're like, where was all this at <laughs> while we were dating? Because you don't show each other the iceberg. There's a reason it's under the surface. We do our best to show each other during the dating phase the best of us. And then when you get married, our pain and our brokenness starts to come to the surface. So I'll start. Um, it was like this. We got married, and I brought all of this, this stuff into our marriage. And, and she had her own. I had my own. And when Tina would try to talk to me, 
about her hopes or fears, her, her, her pain, whatever. I was so insecure because of my divorce. Before I was divorced, I was the man. No, no, hear me out. As far as I was concerned, I was the man. My divorce felt like the greatest source of rejection I ever felt in my life. I went from feeling like I was a man not knowing who I was and then got married. And so it would come out in these horrible moments. You've heard me talk about my temper before. And it was awful. And when I traced it back, I found out what it was. So she, she would try to talk to me. And then she would touch an insecure place in my heart. And I would let her know it wasn't safe to talk about by exploding. Some of you, I see the head nodding like you already know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I would explode on her. Now, I never was abusive with Tina, thank God, or, any, or my kids. But I was explosive. And I mean explode, guys. I'm explode. Like, I would lose my temper, and she would say, oh, she would say, she always would say this. You know, when I lose it, we lose time. Because she would just get quiet and not talk for days. When you lose it, we, it cost us money. Is that about right? Time and money. <laughs> <laughs> because I would, I would literally punch holes in walls. I would, I would throw stuff across the room. I remember one time, on every one time, I threw a tub of country crock butter. I told you it's going to be raw and real. I threw it, boom, butter on the cupboards, you know. And I'll never forget that time when it happened. Tina, for the first time ever, had fear in her eyes. I never, and my wife had never looked at me like that before. It was the first time that she had not looked at me with a sense of adoration. She had looked at me with a sense of fear. And she sort of backed out of the room. I mean, I, I remember one time I, I, I punched out the windshield of our car. It was bad. It was bad. And at the time, I, thought, I just thought I had a bad temper. What I realized later was it wasn't my... Can I tell you how fear shows up? Fear looks like anger and feels like control. Fear looks like anger and feels like control. I was afraid when she got too close to my, my insecurity that she would find out I'm not the man she thinks I am. Now, this does not always work. Sometimes it's flipped. Sometimes it's the wife and not the man or the husband. You understand? But I shut her down. And so for years, and because I have the gift of words, I would argue her down and convince her she was wrong, even when she was right. And she didn't know how to fight for herself. She would just walk away and say, he made such a good case that maybe I'm wrong. Here's what I didn't know I was doing. I, by shutting her down and not letting her speak what's in her heart to me, I was causing her to bury her feelings. Hey, folks, listen to me. Anything you bury becomes a seed. And she was burying her difficult emotions to try to keep the peace. We weren't making, there's a difference between keeping and making. 
Keeping peace usually means kicking the issue down the road. Keeping peace means I'm keeping peace now. I'm going to have to deal with it later. Watch this. She was burying her emotions for years. We did this, guys, in ministry. We were in ministry doing this. For years, she was burying her emotions. Here's what I didn't know. Anything you bury becomes a seed. Buried pain produces a harvest of resentment. My wife was slowly beginning to resent me until it came to a head years later. And then we had to unpack all that pain. Tina, what was it like for you to be on the receiving end of my insecurity? Yeah, so I'll start out by saying, while God has done some incredible things in our lives and our marriage, so thankful for that. Um, But I had brought my own pain into our marriage. I had learned as a little girl how to, like Pastor was talking about, keep peace. That was something that I learned, that I saw. It was um, my, and you've all heard me say it probably more than once, how I struggled for a very long time to be a fixer. Like I'm a, I, that's my MO. God has done a lot in my heart and healed a lot of areas where I understand that that's not my job to fix anything. That's his job. Um, But that was, that was my MO. That's where I went. I went to fix. I went to peace and keep it how, I didn't care however we had peace. If that meant me Bearing, if that meant me doing what I needed to do to just make sure, and, and it's not peace, right? That's not that's not peace. Sometimes you have to be willing to do the hard work. Sometimes you have to be willing to go backwards, do the work right. to get peace, right? And actually share those feelings that's and be good. allowed to. And until. Can I, can I interject Yes, right you there? can. Please do. Because I think sometimes we confuse not arguing with peace. And all you did was push the storm inside. Go ahead. You're, you're flowing. Yeah, so that was me. Um, that was pushing it down, um, feeling like, okay, we, now we have peace. But what I didn't realize was that sweeping things under the rug and just moving forward thinking that we were just moving forward um, was healthy, but it wasn't. Like pastor said that those, those are seeds and they were buried and it turned into a harvest of resentment. And I didn't realize that because not only wasn't I able to share my feelings with him, I would, how many, sometimes you may, you might do this where you're like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, right. I'm fine. I don't need to talk. I'm good. Right, right. But really, when you're not able to communicate that, when you're not able to deal with those feelings, you're not okay. And those seeds are going somewhere. And for me, it was a harvest of bitterness. It was resentment. And it didn't just begin to affect our marriage. It began to affect my relationship with other people in this I have a, the gift of encouragement, and I shared this morning when you are when you're feeling discouraged or you're hurting to go and encourage somebody. But that wasn't always easy for me because when you bury for so long, and when you have this resentment and this bitterness coming out, it's very difficult 
to encourage somebody else. And so my gift was also being hindered because of everything that I was experiencing and the way that I was burying those emotions and those feelings. And there even got to a point where I didn't know how I felt. I don't know if any of you have ever been there before, but if somebody asked you, how are you feeling? I didn't even know how to express my emotions or how I was feeling because I got so good for so long Mm. at just numbing that, of ignoring that, of burying that, of saying, just encourage yourself in the Lord. Just be glad. Just, Just be joyful. Right. But it's hard to do that if we're not dealing with our emotions, if we're not sharing our feelings. And so... Part of all of that, like I said, was something that I learned as a little girl was just to to get over it, to bury it, to deal with it. That's what I saw. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so when we started initially dealing with it and God God had been working, let me tell you something. Don't stop praying for your spouse. I don't care what you see. I don't care if it looks bad. God is able to right. do more. Right. It's not going to be by your, I'm just going to say it, and I yeah. don't mean this in a, in a hurtful way or just a bad it, way, just say it, just say but it. it's not going to be by nagging. It's not going to be by complaining. Yeah. It's not going to be by pointing out their faults. It's going to be by his spirit. That's the word of God, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And as you begin to pray, God was not just doing something in his heart, but God was doing something in my heart. And God doesn't bring those things to the light to hurt us. God didn't expose the bitterness in my heart to hurt me, to um, condemn me, but to bring healing. And he would begin to see it in my face. I didn't even know it was there, you guys. I didn't realize that's what those seeds, that those seeds were becoming a harvest of bitterness or resentment. But he began to see the way I would look at him in just random situations. And that look of love and of tenderness became a look of bitterness. It was a a look that he would describe to me. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what are you saying? I don't have this. And God began to reveal some things and he began to soften my heart and he began to help me to express my emotions. And it took a lot of time. It took going backwards. And nobody wants to spend time going backwards. But that is where God does the healing. He breaks up that tough ground. He softens that heart. He brings healing. And that's what God did. God brought a lot of healing in I saw a different, as God began to even heal, you know, pastor, I saw, I saw a miracle. I've seen, like, when I started, I said, God has done so much. He really has. God has done so much. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't give up on me. He wouldn't stop asking, how are you feeling? So it went from, I couldn't share, to how are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me why you're feeling this. And he, he didn't stop. Mm. And that's love. Love is a choice when it's the most uncomfortable, when it's the most unnatural, when it's the most difficult to keep being there, be consistent, be committed 
We live in a culture where it's like, if it doesn't feel good, forget it. What? That's not the truth. Mm. Anything worth having takes commitment, takes staying in it. And your marriage is worth it. She's dropping gold. And I want to go back for a second and visit something she just said. You're, you're not going to fix your marriage by nagging or guilting or always pointing out what's wrong with your spouse. At most, all you're going to do is make them conform, but they'll never transform. For a while, they'll change to try to keep things in the house together, but they'll always go back. Love is still the most powerful force on the planet. And that's one thing Pastor Tina always did is she would always speak to what was good in me. Even, and those, and let me just say something. I saw the, the Bible says, the countenance on your face testifies against you. <laughs> like you'll say, no, I'm good, I'm good. And she'd be like, what was that? Because she would give me a look of sheer resentment and didn't even know she was doing it. And it would show up in these minor moments because that's what happened. I had, I, she, so much pain had been buried. So much bitterness was starting to show that even in the little moments that were really no big deal, the resentment would come through. And when she talked about me starting to ask her, what are you feeling? I knew, I knew we had gotten to a place where I was reaping the harvest I had sowed. I knew it. And I knew that I was not being the priest of my house. I was not being the husband that my wife needed. I needed to be the husband that was, watch this, guys, emotionally safe. And the question I had to ask myself is, is this, am I cultivating a marriage that's emotionally safe or emotionally dangerous? She did not emotionally feel safe with me. So I had some undoing to do. <laughs> and I needed Jesus' help. Because she talks about me saying, hey, what are you feeling? In fact, write this question down. What are you feeling? Why do you think you're feeling it? And where are these feelings coming from? Those three questions constantly applied in your marriage will produce the harvest of healing because you're cultivating safety. But I had to, number one, I, I sit up here and say that just like that, but I had to learn the questions. I see you writing it down. Let me say it again. What are you feeling? Why do you think you're feeling this? And where do you think this feeling comes from? Now, you ready for the key? Whether, whether it's the husband or the wife that needs to ask these questions, you ready for the key? You cannot react to their answer. Because you're afraid to ask it at first because you're not sure you're going to like the answer. And so at first, I would ask her at first and then, and then totally mishandle it. What are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling right now that you just well, that's not true. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and then she would say, see, you say you want to know what I'm feeling. But as soon as I tell you, you shut me down. And I knew she was right. So I had to learn to ask and be, hey, hey, married folks, listen, ask and be quiet. Because you'll want to respond out of your insecurity because you know what we're all afraid of at the end of the day? I'm not enough. 
I'm not enough for her or I'm not enough for him. And I'm afraid that I'm not going to be enough. And so we just start shutting each other down. So I don't know how to just listen. I had to listen. Another part of, about, another part of me is I'm, I, I like to move forward. No, I mean, really, I like to move forward. Fast. Can I tell you, these conversations never happen at a convenient time. Well, can we just talk about it later? What happens? You don't have to talk because it's never a convenient time. Everybody wants to have a great marriage, but no one wants to have a bad day. And you can't have one without the other. You're going to have some difficult moments you don't want to have. You're going to have some tearful moments, some cry moments, some looking in the mirror moments and owning your own failures and mistakes in the marriage and understanding that failure isn't final. And we had a bunch of those moments. And I knew, I saw, we came to a point, guys, where I saw her one day, I looked at her one day, I'm like, we're in trouble. And if I didn't change the way I related to my wife and create some emotional safety with her, I didn't know what our future would look like. I didn't. Both of, we, had both, we had both dark moments. And you know what the worst is? There'd be times she'd have dark moments, but I have a high moment. We can make it. We got this. And then there'd be times I'd be in a low moment. She'd be high. We can make it. We got this. The worst was when we were both low. We had those moments too. Do you know, let me ask you guys a question. What, what, what sounds do you expect to hear when someone's building a house? We've got some carpenters in here, right? We've got some people, right? Hammers. And, listen, this is what it sounds like. Would you play that for me? This is what it sounds like to build a house. Here's what it sounds like to build a house. There we go. Right, hammers and electric saws cutting and all of that stuff, right? That's what it sounds like when a, car, when a contractor carpenter is building a house. Uh, now I want you to hear the sound of resentment building. Ready? Here's what it sounds like when a resentment builds. Silence. Don't make the mistake of thinking because your spouse is quiet that it's okay. Because resentment builds in silence. And before you know it, if you're not intentional about creating emotional safety in your marriage, you're going to have to deconstruct something that you were silently constructing. Listen to me. Satan fills the silence. If we don't learn how to communicate, we'll always argue and never deal with the issue. Because most of our arguments were over, over uh, uh, symptoms. Because we did not have the guts initially to deal with the root. Right? Right? Let me give you an example. Um, you come home from work and your wife says, uh, hey, I got an idea. We haven't been out in a while. Let's go to the movies. And you start to feel anxious and you get upset and you explode. Why do I always got to do something? Aren't I good enough for you? Why can't we just be home? Why do you always have to be doing something? And then she's like, all I want to do is go to the movies. Don't you love me enough to take me to the movies? What's the big deal? 
and you have a bad night, you go to bed angry, even the Bible says don't go to bed angry, that's the number one most ignored verse by married people. Don't go to bed angry. Yeah, okay, well, I just won't sleep for five days, you know. (laughs) Don't go to bed angry, you know. You have this big old blowout, and then you're like, what were we even arguing about? I didn't even care if we went to the movie. In reality, he knew you didn't have the money to go, but he was afraid to say we can't afford it because he didn't feel like he's a good enough provider. And you can flip the script about anything. We end up arguing about symptoms because we're afraid. We argue two reasons. We don't talk enough or we're afraid. And we don't stop and say, why do I feel this way? Where did this come from? What am I feeling? Because we always say, he's so angry. She's so angry. Fear masquerades as anger. And we don't even know what we were feeling. And I found out I was, I was more afraid than I was willing to admit, afraid she would look at me the way, when I went through my divorce, I was afraid. I was afraid that she would look at me the way my ex-wife looked at me. I was afraid she would find out how broken I was inside. Because nobody wants to admit, men or women, you know, when you go through a bad breakup, I'm strong. I'm strong. I talked to somebody last week, and he's like, Pastor, why, does, why do I always have to be strong? I said, you don't. That's a lie our culture has told us. You don't always have to be strong. In fact, one of the strongest things you can do is admit you're weak. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm weary. I have insecurities. I have fears. Can we just talk about it? Because can I tell you something else? The moment you begin to connect emotionally with intimacy emotionally, because somebody, we'll talk about this next week, but some of us sexually, we're struggling with intimacy because we won't emotionally connect. And so we had to unpack, and it took, it took time to unpack. That's another thing. We didn't get there overnight, and we didn't heal overnight. Tina, practically, like, what are a couple of things I did that helped you heal from years of, of burying that pain? Well, there's three things that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, the first thing was, was he pressed in. Like he asked the questions because I was at a place where I was done sharing. Like I was done talking. I was done. I would have to get to a, to an extreme, um, I don't know, place of feeling very upset or angry before I would share, which would be very unhealthy anyhow. But just in a normal conversation, I was just kind of done so him pressing, him being consistent, him asking those questions, um, and then giving me time. Like, he didn't just say, I, he didn't let me walk away. And that was my, my thing was walk away. Just walk away and everything will go away. Like, it'll be fine. And it never was, but that's the lie from the enemy to, to make you feel like if you just walk away if you just let it go, like that doesn't work. You can't just let it go. You have to deal with it. And right. for me, it was him constantly saying, we're not going to let it go. I'm not letting you walk away. What are you feeling? And being there and staying there mm-hmm. time and time again, even though it, it, like he said, it took time. It took a long time for me to 
be able to get back to a vulnerable place and a place of transparency and feel safe. But it was persistence. It was him taking the time. And it was the way that he responded. Like he talked about that. He talked about how that response is so critical that it's not a judgmental, that it's not a condemning because the truth is, is that feelings are real, right? But they're not always right. And there was a lot of times because of my own pain, because of the years of things that we had gone through, but not just that, as I talked about things in my childhood that had been through, you know, when my parents were separated and my dad was away for um, a while and just things, insecure places in my own life that um, I was still healing from as an adult. But him giving me that, that time and being persistent and then responding in a gentle way in a, okay, I, in an understanding last week, I talked about that a little bit, being understanding and asking the Holy Spirit, man, just help me to understand this person's feelings because understanding doesn't mean agreement, right? It doesn't mean that you're saying you're right or That's you're good. agreeing with that person, yeah. but it means you can understand. You can look at them and see the pain in their heart. You can see the pain in their eyes. You can understand their tears. And because of love, you stay and you're a safe place. And maybe, you know, I talked about this last week also. It's not to fix anything, but to just be there. Like Mm. in that moment, she or he doesn't need your hands. They need your heart, right? And so being willing to just be a safe place. And those are three things. So persistence, giving time, the way you responded, yeah, and I think I'm going to touch on that. We've we've got a little bit of time left, and I want to get to this next point before we get out of here today. Is this blessing anybody today? Is this helping? I want to give something because she said, I, you know, not your hands, your heart. I had to discover that. I remember um, she would come home or, or, you know, we would, end of the day, I'd come home, and she would share a problem or an issue she was facing or something that was happening. And after a while, I would shut, I just kind of ignore it or shut it down or not give it too much attention uh, b- because I thought she wanted me to fix it. I thought she shared it for me to fix it. This is going to help somebody. I thought, and I knew some of it, I just couldn't fix. Well, I wanted to be the man. So the man fixes it. But she was sharing stuff with me, couldn't be fixed. So I was just sort of ignored. Well, she started to resent the fact that I wasn't paying attention. What she didn't know was that I was afraid that I couldn't fix her issues. And then I found out one day, she said to me, Travis, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to hear that I have this issue. And I thought, wait a minute, you don't want me to fix it? Because my, my, I guess, male brain, I don't know, was like, you're telling me to fix it. Then why would you tell me? That's the, you know, be patient, ladies. He, that's really, you know, his brain is just like, why would you tell me then? I'm trying to understand. She, then that's the whole thing. She needed understanding. She just needed to understand. Like, just, just hear me. Just, just empathize with me. Just know that I have, I have this issue. So we talked about emotional safety, how vital this is. And, 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 and let me just give you some hope. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're enough because Jesus is enough. The love that Paul described, he was describing Christ himself. 
You could replace every love word with God. God is patient. God is kind. God is, you hear what I'm saying? Guess what, who lives in you? Him. I see more of this love in Tina today, and she sees more of me today than ever before. Why? Because of our knowledge of Christ and us. It's okay, guys, to have insecurities because we all have them. Lay, it's okay to have insecurities. We all have them. But let me just say something here. This is important too. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen, there's, a, there's an old adage, and I, and I hear the wisdom in it. I'm going to share it with you. Ready? Hurt people, hurt people. It's true, and I, there's wisdom in it, but now I'm going to give you a little counterintuitive wisdom to that. It's true that hurt people may hurt people, but watch this. Hurt people don't have to hurt people. We almost quote that like it's the Bible. It's not the Bible. I don't have a choice on what someone did to me, but I do have a choice on how I'm going to treat someone else. Hurt people might initially hurt people, but hurt people don't have the right to keep hurting people. At some point, I had to take responsibility for my pain and start my own healing because I did not have the right to keep hurting my wife. Come on, it's getting quiet in here. At some point, I had to make the choice to say, I can't just keep saying because I went through some rough times. I'm sorry. Well, because I see people weaponize that. Oh, sorry, I hurt you, but you know, hurt people hurt people. You, we don't keep getting a free pass. At some point, I've got to say, either I've got to talk to a counselor or a therapist or, or, or a pastor or somebody and start working through my own pain. Because the flip side of the coin is true. Healed people will bring healing to other people. Second point that I have, and we'll make this the last point, no record keeping. No record keeping. It's not fair in the middle of a heated argument to keep throwing out what he did to you, what she didn't do, what he should have said, what she didn't say. That's like in boxing would be considered below the belt. Come on, somebody. It's not fair to keep throwing up the past. Listen to me. If Jesus doesn't remember it, it's not fair for me to keep remembering it, just to keep needling. One of two things has to happen. I either have to forgive and move forward or go through my own healing process and ask for forgiveness. But it's not fair to keep throwing that back up in each other's face. And, but, but, but it's also not fair. Watch this. You can't keep bringing that up. Pastor said so. <laughs> I get this on TikTok all the time. Watch this. I get this on TikTok all the time. I, I get it all the time from both men and women. And they'll ask me, is it okay if I send this to my wife? All the time, all the time, I promise. And, and, and it's more women than men. They'll be like, should I send this to my husband? Is this okay? Because <laughs> I just need someone else to say it, you know? <laughs> Listen to me. This is important. It's not okay. Listen, it's also not okay to say you can't bring up the past if you've never dealt with it. 
Let me say that again. It's not okay to say, see, pastor said no record keeping, but the problem is you've never navigated that pain. Until you've stopped and worked through the pain and forgiven each other, you're still in that place. So you can't just be like, stop throwing over the past. The reason, maybe the reason the past keeps coming up is because the pain's never been acknowledged. Until we acknowledge the pain, it can't, watch this, it can't heal. And here's kind of another angle to this. Married folks, y'all are one. Mm, Y'all are one. That's right. And so when you are pointing out the negativity or the negative things in your spouse, like that's not just hurting them, that's hurting you, right? Because when we, we're called to pull out the best in our spouse, we're called to speak life to our spouse, to speak to to speak those uh, words of life, to pull out the best. And I just want to say like, you're better together when you are walking in unity because God has called you to be one. To be, we are the, we are the best team now than we have ever been Absolutely. because of everything that we have been through and the Absolutely. healing that God has brought to our lives. Absolutely. You are called to be one, to be a team. Listen, Ephesians 6, it tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? We wrestle against powers and principalities in the evil realm. Like we don't That's wrestle right. against each other, but the enemy has come to do one thing, right? To steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come that we would have abundant life, abundant marriage. And when you are together walking as one and in unity, there's power in that. There's power in that. And the enemy does not want you to walk united and unified as one. Same as the body of Christ. That's why he tries to cause division. Because when you're walking as one, that's powerful. That is powerful. And in the flip side of the coin, it's true as well. Tina's healed so much. Her heart has healed so much towards me because of our commitment to this, this process and our love for each other. We kept choosing to love. And we kept getting more and more. Watch this, everybody. Hey, married people, watch this. We kept getting naked emotionally. And physically. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Girl. <laughs> Number six. You better go on. <laughs> Church is dismissed. You know what I'm saying? We got Listen. <laughs> Clearly. Boop, boop, boop. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Listen. Talk about that next week. Listen. And Tina has, no, 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 baby, it's all good. Listen, and Tina, we are the best team we've ever been. And we, we were transparent with you this morning. Here's why. Because a lot of married couples are going through hell. No one's talking. No one's talking. And so no one's getting freedom because we feel like everything's got to stay in the dark because no one talks about it. And we grew up at a time, especially leaders didn't talk about it. Pastors didn't talk about this stuff. Pastors were Superman and Wonder Woman. And then we went into ministry and found out there's no Superman, there's no Wonder Woman. There's just people called that are imperfect and, and, and got wounds and brokenness. Listen to me now. 
And she is my number one. I need to say something to the ladies. And if you want to end with something for the guys, that's fine. You don't have to, though. (laughs) I want to say something to the ladies. Your husband is capable of of Superman-like feats. He can leap tall buildings with a single bound. He can build a company. He can build a ministry. He can build a vision. He can build a family. He can build a house if you believe in him. Nothing, uh, I'm the pastor. I'm just going to say it. Nothing will emotionally castrate your husband like your lack of belief. The re- she, she, nobody believes in me like her. One of my favorite scenes is from the movie Rocky. You don't like Rocky? You don't know Rocky? Is there a generation that doesn't know Rocky? You should know Rocky if you don't repent and go home and watch Rocky. I watched all of them, loved all of them. Adrian, that's right. And she was my Adrian. There's a scene in one of the Rocky movies where she does not want him to fight. You've got to stop fighting Rocky. She's going to kill you, Rock. Don't do it. And he would go to train, and his trainer's like, what is wrong with you? Why do you fight like such a wimp? You're the champ. There was a champion in him, but his wife didn't believe. Don't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so it killed him. It sucked away his courage. It sucked away his life. And then you remember the moment, Adrian, she gave birth, and she went into a coma, and he stood by her bedside. He was done. He was done fighting. He couldn't do it. Because Adrian wouldn't give him the nod. Adrian wouldn't believe. And, and he sits there next to his wife and she wakes up and he comes into the hospital room and she looks at him. And she said, Rock, go. Watch this. She said, Rocky, go and win. I said, I can't, I can't do that. Rocky, go. You're the best. You're the champ. Go and win. And then the music starts. Dun 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 Hey! And he leaves the hospital room like he's ready to go and he's ready. He starts training like he's never trained before. And his his trainer said, There you go, champ, you're back. All because he needed one person in his life to believe. If you believe in him, he'll build a life. And he'll do things that he didn't know he could do. Never underestimate the power, ladies, of your belief in your man. Because watch this. You all can stop liking me. If you never gave me another pat on the back and said, good preaching, pastor. But she did. I'm good. I'm good. I had somebody, I had somebody recently, I was standing on another platform somewhere and, um, I was actually, so I'll just tell you, you know, we've been looking for our next ministry campus and some real estate agent took us to this place and he stood on the platform and he said to me, he said, do you think you can preach from there? 
and, and my wife was standing, was right in front of me. And this, watch this. As long as she's there, I can preach from anywhere. I'll stand in a parking lot. If she's behind me, you can't stop me from preaching. That's the power, ladies, that you have in, in his life. Tina, do you have anything you wanted to end with for the guys? Wow, honey. I don't have any Rocky movies. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so blessed. To, I am. I enjoy listening to him every single week. Just now I'm like lost in him speaking. Wow. He's just, what a gift. Y'all, can you just, what a gift. Like we are gifted, aren't we? We are so blessed to have this gift. I'm just. She's doing it right now. But she means it. But I mean everything yeah, I say. That's, Man, I, I just, all right, let me get my train of thought back. What's one thing a man needs to know that he can do that for his That she wife? needs to be your queen. She needs to know that she's your queen no matter what. No matter her flaws or insecurities or irrational whatever feelings, she needs to know every single day that she is your queen. And listen to me, when she knows that, that she's your queen, it will be so easy for you to be her king. And when you, she will follow where you lead when she knows that she's your queen. Mm. And I just want to say this because I felt this on the way here this morning to church, that men, I know pastor just spoke to you, but I just want to say, lead, lead. God has called you to lead. He has gifted you to lead. He has equipped you to lead. And sometimes it's not always easy because there's struggles and there's things that are happening and maybe you don't feel right. like your wife believes. But I came here this morning to tell you to lead despite because you're gifted and you're called and you're anointed mm. and you're chosen to lead your house. And we need men to rise up and lead. And uh -huh. we need women who are willing to follow, who are willing to say, I got you. I'm behind you. I got your back. I'm right by your side. I'll be there no matter what, if it works out or if it doesn't, because that is what God has called us to do. Well, that's a good word. That's a great place to wrap it. Would you stand on your feet with us right now? You know, we, we've shared our transparently. We've shared our story. Did it help you this morning? Did it help you? We've shared. I think part of the gift of, of hearing from us is acknowledging something that, watch this, your pastors have gone through all of that, and yet God has chosen us to lead. Because if you're not careful, you'll say the only people that God picks to lead are perfect. And that's half of what we're trying to show you. That's 50% of what we want you to see. We're still anointed. We're still called. We're still chosen. We, watch this. We're still your pastors. And we have imperfections just like you. That means, guess what? You're qualified to lead too. Something, somewhere, somehow. 
Because the enemy will try to convince you you're disqualified because of your pain or your brokenness. Listen, this is something I need you to know. Do you know why there's incredible hope for you and your marriage and your family? Because of Jesus. When I talk about wounds and brokenness, I'm not talking about your spirit. Your spirit is whole. Your spirit is 100% whole in Christ. That's why there's hope. Man, I heard, I heard, I don't say this to be ugly. I, I just heard someone on TV this past week say, make this crazy statement like, hey, believer, you're born again. You got three natures. I almost drove to Alabama <laughs> and said, brother, let's sit down and read our Bible. If you're born again, you have one nature. It's a new nature. And you know what our nature is? It's Christ in you. The Bible says you have a divine nature because of Jesus. And that's what Jesus said. It's not about washing the outside. He said, let's, let's go ahead and clean the inside. You have a new nature. And every day, our, our pain, our wounds and brokenness is not in our spirit. Do you know where we feel it? Our souls. Our soul gets wounded. And the spirit over time is working to bring healing to the soul. And there's hope for you no matter where you are. Because of Christ in you, there's hope. I am becoming the husband that my wife deserves because of Christ in me. Tina is becoming the wife that God gave her the calling to be because of Christ in her. And here's the other thing we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. Because we are both willing to humble ourselves to God and to each other. I'm not going to call anybody up to the front today. I want to pray for you standing right where you are because I have a feeling there's some married people here or some people that have been married or are going to be married and, and you know, you're like, oh my goodness, you guys were reading our mail today. We've got insecurities. We've got fears. We've been struggling. We've been wrestling. Would you bow your heads right now? Bow your heads and close your eyes. If this message resonated with you and you say, Pastor, I would like for you and Pastor Tina just to pray for us today. Would you just lift a hand up? I just want to see, who am I praying for? Praise the Lord. Man, I see you. I got you. I got you. All right, all right. Put your hands down. I know you. I know exactly. We know exactly where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every married couple watching online and every married couple in the room. And we speak hope and life over their marriage. And we pray that starting today, Jesus, they would lean on you for the strength to begin to cultivate emotional safety in their marriage. That they would be, Father, they have the courage to emotionally be transparent with each other. And I bind the enemy that has been lying and telling married people that they're not enough, they're never going to be enough. Because of Christ in you, you're enough. And I speak strength in your marriage that comes only from Jesus, the throne of God. In Jesus' name. Keep those heads bowed and those eyes closed. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you're ready to do that today, you're ready for his strength to be your strength, you're ready to receive forgiveness, would you slip one hand up really high and say, Pastor, that's me, I came here, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I see those hands going up. Anybody else today before we pray? I see that, I see you, I see you. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Would you repeat after me, say this prayer. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for all of my sins. I believe you rose again to give me a new life. By faith, I receive your love, your forgiveness, 
and your life in Jesus' name. Everybody put your hands together right now and thank God for his saving grace and mercy. Thank <laughs> you.